You're listening to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm your host, three-time Olympian and motivational speaker, Leah Amico. On this show, we're going to dig deep to unlock what it actually takes to build a foundation for greatness. If you're an ambitious person with big vision, but you feel like fear is holding you back, get ready for some major breakthroughs. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, today's guest is a softball legend. I mean, she's still young enough to to be playing. She recently retired, but she is a four-time world champion, two-time Olympic silver medalist with Team USA. She pitched the first perfect game in Olympic history. She's played professionally in the USA with the Chicago Bandits and the Scrapyard Dogs, and she also played in Japan for Toyota Motor Corporation. She is the four-time Japan Softball League MVP, one of the most dominant pitchers ever in the world in the sport of softball, has 17 different championship titles, and also was a four-time All-American as a Tennessee Vol. She was also the first Division I pitcher to record 500 strikeouts all four season. Unbelievable. Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast, Monica Abbott. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me, Leah. Obviously, from one Olympian to another, always loves being able to support and chat with uh, other people that are, have been been through it. Yeah. I'm excited for people to hear a little bit about your story and even your backstory, because sometimes people see you on the field and they see you representing Team USA, but it's really like, how did she get there? And they wonder that. And so let's talk a little bit about your childhood. Tell me, were you just a phenomenal athlete the first time you picked up a ball? How old were you when you started? You know, I, I'm like every, probably every kid in the U.S. that started in rec ball. And I actually wasn't really that into softball. I fell into the game because my older sister played. And so it was like, Monica, she's going, so you're going too. Like, let's just drag the younger sister along. And my older sister actually, um, and our rec league ended up being pretty good. Uh, she, you know, she was the number four hitter. She like, you know, played shortstop, all the, all the things. And then I, I was the kid that, you know, I was there chasing foul balls and eating snacks and all of that more than, more than I was really in interested in playing. And I, I just struggled getting coordinated. Like my throw was bad. My hitting was bad. Like <laughs> everything was kind of bad. Um, but I was athletic. I had the means. I was good at other sports. So I was just playing softball because my older sister brought me in. But then, so the year, what happened was that we played a year and the team that we were on only had one pitcher. And so my older sister, you know, being as she was already kind of a star on the team was like, okay, well I could pitch. So I ended up having to catch for her. <laughs> and so she was kind of doing good. And so my parents decided to, you know, let's get her a pitching lesson. There's a coach that was hanging out at our softball at our local rec field that could kind of teach her a little bit. And I was catching for her and I just like, I hated it. Like I was behind home plate and I was like diving out of the way. And honestly, I was probably scared of the ball. Like she hurt my hand. <laughs> and um, at the end of the lesson, I was like trudging out of there, trying to get home as fast as I could to go play with my friends, not my sisters. And I was taking off the gear and the coach came and was like, you know, Monica, you don't like catching, do you? <laughs> I was like, no, no, I don't. I don't like it. And she, he's like, well, you're left-handed and you're, you're kind of tall to be a catcher, but you know, have you ever thought about pitching? And so at that point, like I, there was like this spark. I was like, no, I hadn't, I, I've never thought about it. I took everything off. And when you're ready to start pitching, you know, I would love to give you a lesson and teach you a few things to see, see if it clicks for you. And so, you know, we go home, I play with my friends, do all the things. A couple of weeks later, I like kind of go to my mom and I'm, you know, that coach said that, you know, I could be good 
at pitching, like, can Jessica, you know, I, I had to play the younger sister card, of course. It was like, Jessica got a lesson, you know, can I get one? <laughs> you know, just how kids do it. And um, my mom was like, no, you, I'm not even sure you like softball. Like <laughs> you play right field. <laughs> Long story short, my mom made me do a bunch of chores and like earn that first lesson. And once I, and because that coach kind of like sparked me, he sparked me and um, gave me a chance and told me I, you know, why not try it? And so I got my first pitching lesson and I finally found a home on the softball field and started to enjoy playing the game. How old were you when you decided I want to play at the next level? Around this time that I started pitching, I was in fifth grade. It was 96. I had to do a state report. Their school project was, you know, U.S. history and everyone had to do a state report. Of course, everyone was trying to get California because that's where we were from or, you know, get Nevada because maybe they had been there. I had like my top five states and the teacher was raffling off states and nobody got, nobody, I didn't get any of the states I wanted. I wanted Nevada, I wanted California, I wanted Oregon, <laughs> nothing. I, and then I was like, what about Hawaii? It looks cool. <laughs> nothing. I couldn't, I lost out on every raffle and I got, <laughs> I got assigned, I got assigned to Georgia. I was pissed. <laughs> I was so mad <laughs> um, as a fifth grader. And I had like, I had literally just started pitching. Come to find out, like I said, it was 1996. And while I'm doing this state report in the spring, I find out about the Olympic Games and end up doing a report not only on the state of Georgia, but also about Atlanta being the host of the 96 Olympic Games. Um, I literally just started pitching and I like wrote in the report. I literally wrote inside my report trying to butter up my teacher for an A. And I wrote in the report, you know, I'll be in the Olympic Games. Come see me on the softball field. I'll be pitching you know, I'll be pitching in the gold medal game, it, you know, in like a little sub paragraph about Atlanta hosting the Olympic Games. And that was the first time I had a big, crazy, wild dream and um, figured out how to make it happen. Wow. I actually got chills when you talked about what you wrote and saying, I'm going to be there. And I think some people, it's not until they've experienced a bunch of success that they actually think, okay, now I want to take that next step. But yeah. it's a reminder that no goal and dream is too big and you're never too early to have that planted in your heart. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the thing. It's never too early to like plant, to plant the seed or to plant the dream or just do some, think something crazy of like a wild, why couldn't I be the one? Um, so it was, it was actually a really cool experience. You know, the Olympic flame came through our hometown and my mom got me, you know, my mom <laughs> wrote me a fake doctor's note and we went to go see the Olympic flame and we put it in the state report, you know, during lunchtime, I, I went to go see the Olympic flame and we got like these little, like, I remember they had these stamps from the post office and we were sending out, you know, cards or whatever. And they had these softball card, you know, so little softball players on these Olympic stamps. And so we put the stamps in the report and, you know, next to the paragraph, I did end up getting an A on that report. I just want to say that, <laughs> but yeah, it was like sixth grade. So I was starting pitching. I did the state report and then I literally wrote down this big, crazy dream in the report. And I had maybe had like two pitching lessons at the time or in my first season pitching. And then I just kind of, I, I think the dream became alive, you know, the next summer I played I was on a little youth team and my older sister, Jessica was on a club team and they had a nationals. I think it was in Colorado and um, at the nationals, you know, they're like, well, Monica can dress out to We had made it like a family vacation. You know, why don't, yeah, Monica can come. She's been pitching pretty well. She's a little bit young. So like, of course her team didn't do very good at all. They like were like two and barbecue out <laughs> at this national tournament and they were losing so bad. 
<laughs> in the second game of their elimination game to some other team. So like they're losing so bad, they're bad. They're like, you know, why don't we let Monica go in and pitch? <laughs> so I got to pitch like an inning, you know, I was like 11 or 12 at the time. I got to pitch to these 14 new kids and I struck a couple of them out. And I was like, you know, the other coach, I remember the other coach got really mad. He's like, you struck out by a 12 U kid. You should be able to hit this girl. <laughs> and, um, and now, now they're probably saying, okay, it's all right. That ended up being Monica Abbott. <laughs> that ended up working. Yeah. And I just remember like, you know, that was like a big moment of success of like, oh, wow, she actually, she got some people out that were older than her. And so after I had that big, crazy dream that I wrote in the state report, then all of a sudden there's like little signs of success that made me really start to believe I could make this dream come true or put in steps to make it come true. So yeah, that's how I kind of created my little, my Olympic, that's how my Olympic dream and playing for Team USA started. I think it's so important for people to see it because for people that don't follow softball, 1996 was the first time softball was ever in the Olympic Games. Right. It's a cool story considering that, right? Like here I was at that age, not knowing, you know, maybe I'd watched baseball on TV or, you know, seeing some older girls have success in my local rec leagues or local high school games and stuff like that. But softball being in the Olympic Games, like as an 11 year old, as a, you know, an elementary school kid, you don't think like, hey, this is the first time softball was in the Olympics. You just think that it was always there and it always should be there. So it just shows, it proves to show that like how important the Olympic games are for, for our sport. I think, especially for women's sports, because it is the highest level for fe- for female athletes. Um, and it, it really does impact the youth and their big wild dreams. I love how you said, why not me? I think there has to be a little bit of that mentality with people that are going to reach another level, no matter what you're doing in business. Uh, on the field, in sports, um, just whatever you're doing. Why not me? Why can't I be the one that does this? And there's a whole lot of people that count themselves out because they think it could never be me. And yeah. the mindset of that, let's talk a little bit about mindset as a champion. You played around the world. You played with the best. You played against the best. You've been able to rise up in the toughest situations. Talk a little bit about the mindset it takes to be a champion. Yeah, I think, you know, just to expand on that, why not me? I, I think it it just goes at every different level. Like, why can't I do it? And then it's just finding the steps to go out and do it, right? Like to go out and be that one. And, you know, I was able to play, obviously, with some of the greatest softball players in the world, against some of the softball, greatest softball players in the world and have success, have failures, have more and honestly have more successes than failures. And I just think mindset wise, you have to have a little bit of that naivety to say like, why can't I be the one? Why can't we win? And then if you, if you take that and combine it with like an intense sense of determination, then I think it's, can be really powerful that determination and belief and a little bit of like the, why not me? Why can't I be the one? It really does kind of change your outlook. And if you're able to do that on a consistent basis in the game, in the game of softball, there's so many pitches, right? There's so many moments in a, in the game, you know, seven innings, 21 outs, but it can go longer and it can go shorter. But, you know, if a, you throw a hundred pitches in a game or a hitter sees, you know, th- sees one pitch or 30 pitches in their three at bats, you know, it, you have to have that mindset and de- of not only, you know, belief. But I really do believe in that determination factor, like that deep down determination and a little bit of naivety of why why not me? Why can't I why can't I be the hero? Why can't I be the one to step up in, in the moment of need for our team? Um, you have to have that 
uh, mentally to really be successful at, I think, all of all levels, but especially at the elite level. Yeah, I agree. And I think not just as a pitcher, I think it's extra important as a pitcher because you have the ball in your hand every time and you really have to be able to take it one pitch at a time and focus and zone in. But it's for everybody. There's there's all those moments behind that you have to be prepared and then you have to be able to bounce back quickly. Now, a lot of people might look at your story and your success and just say, fine, it's easy to believe when you're that good. Uh-huh. What challenges or obstacles did you face along the way that could have set you back, but you refused to allow to? I think different challenges at different times and different phases of life. I can remember as a youth softball player, the biggest challenge I had as a youth softball player was like coordination and just like straight up athleticism. My body grew in like crazy ways, fast, and then not at all. So like just figuring out how to bend your knees properly so the ball doesn't go through the middle of your legs, you know, like things like that. And just figuring out your motor control and body form and mechanics that would not only works in the, like the standards of the game, like, you know, every position, if you throw, you have to be, you have to hit certain positions, but how can my, how can my body, um, you know, be in those, get into those positions. And then I would say in college, I really struggled mentally in college. I really struggled, started to get into my own head a lot and spiral at times. And then I also really struggled, um, you know, with the jump, I think there's a jump between high school to college and then freshman year on, right? You know, freshman year to sophomore year, sophomore year to like being an upperclassman. So I struggled with some of those things mentally and just figuring out how, and part of it was because I knew what I was doing or I thought I knew what I was doing, but I didn't, I couldn't put it into words. I could, I could feel it. I couldn't say it. And once I was able to say it, then I could make myself feel it and do it quicker. And that took a lot, a lot of trust. And I think my coaching staff at the time, and a lot of like willingness to change, I was very scared to change or evolve or, or grow. I was like stuck in like the things that I had always done. You know, my pitching, my starting low pitching position is, you know, probably pretty famous, but you know, I didn't go into college pitching like that. And it took me a lot of time to figure out something that would that worked for me and then owning it and going all in on it, I think is like really huge. And a lot of times we get, we as athletes, we get into our routines and we get into our rhythm. So we kind of lose that consciousness mentally to be able to like go pitch to pitch or be willing to change in our practices, try something new long enough for it to take effect, right? It's easy to try something new you know, for an inning, for a practice while your coach is there watching you. But are you trying that something new and sticking with it for like, you know, a week, two weeks. And when I started to do that, when I started to accept those sort of things, that's when I think I really blossomed and grew as a softball player because I was willing to change. I was willing to evolve and grow. And I think that is also what I learned in college. That's that thing that took me into my career as, as a pro So being willing to constantly evolve that way and not being afraid to make changes, small changes, big changes, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, each year required a different change. And I I truly believe that's the growth that I had in my college years. Like if, you know, freshman year, you said, you said in the intro, I had 500 strikeouts every year, but if you look closely, it was like, you know, 505, I, I don't know exact numbers, but it's like 505, 510. And then, you know, my senior year at 700, like, that's a huge jump. You don't make those that you don't make that sort of jump, 
by not changing, evolving or growing in certain ways. Those are great points. And I want to point that out. Elite athletes and the best on and off the field, people that are very successful companies, business owners, um, people who climb the ladder in corporations, it's people that reach a level of success. And then they say, what do I need to do to keep getting better? What it is, it's a growth mindset and willingness to change is a huge part of it. I think you saying that Monica, um, when you feel like, wait, I have been successful and honestly, naturally we want to protect. We want to go into our comfort zone. I'm good. I'm really good. And this is how I've always done it. And so that is huge. I think a lot of people need to hear that. You are one of the best ever. And you started out as one of the best ever reaching those numbers. So I think that's a huge lesson. Also, you talking about a little bit of the mental challenge. People need to hear that because you see it at all different levels in in varying degrees. Some people struggle with it more than others. But I think it's important for everybody to hear that the best in the world have moments like that and had moments like that. That's something, it's a theme that I have seen weaved. And and there's something about wanting to be better that ties into that, that struggle of like, you know, mentally, like, where do I need to get, but what do I need to do to change that? Mm -hmm. So I love that you mentioned that. Uh, talk to me a little bit. You played pro ball in Japan. How many years were you there? And what's kind of the the main lesson that you took away from playing across the world in a different culture? <laughs> oh man, I was there quite a while. Um, I played there. I played for Toyota Red Terriers, uh, Toyota Motor Corporation for 14 years. I went there in 2009 after the 2008 Olympic Games. And honestly, <laughs> I was very hesitant to go. I didn't really want to go, but softball wasn't in the Olympics and 2012 at that time. So the next Olympic games. And, um, I remember thinking like, if I, if it were to get back in or why not just go over there and see what it is, try it out. And then I ended up staying there, you know, for 14 years, I ended up playing a really long time. There's so many things that I learned playing over there. Probably the biggest thing as a person that I learned is that I had to learn how to, how to communicate better. I had to learn how to communicate better because although softball is its own language sport. The language of sport is united worldwide. The how, the why, the what, the where, the when, the intense moments, that isn't like a normal, that's not normal language. So I had to like communicate, learn how to communicate with them in different ways that, um, and, and it caused me, it caused me to have to learn how to laugh at myself how to show a lot of humility, how to be willing to look really dumb <laughs> for the sake of the team, because, you know, we all needed to be on the same page to the minute detail. And it, and because I was willing to do that, it helped me in a where in a weird way, like not on purpose, it helped me actually become a better leader for a team that didn't speak the same language as me, which um, I think that showed, that showed, you know, Toyota had a lot of success over the years, but I think that is what really helped me. Now, are there any moments you played in two different Olympics? You mentioned mm-hmm. playing the 2008 games. Softball was out in 12 and 16, and then it came back in 2020, but you had to wait one more year because yeah, of COVID. So you went to Tokyo and obviously it was a different experience because of COVID and fans couldn't be over there. Your family couldn't be over there. But in those two Olympics, is there a moment that stands out to you that really you think of that just comes to the forefront of your mind when you think about the Olympic games and your experiences? I think of two things for the 2008 games. 
softball was able, we were able to actually, because we had um, a little, our tournament didn't start right away. We were actually able to walk in the opening ceremonies. I think the intense, I'll never forget the intense amount of like pride that we all had in that moment, but it wasn't not so much in softball, you know, before they announce you, you kind of walk through the tunnel into the stadium and it was everyone from the team USA delegation. And if, you know, they announced the teams and all the teams come out and, you know, they're great outfits and everything, but, but USA is kind of one of the last, it's alphabetical and one of the last countries to go through. I just remember standing in the tunnel and you could see everyone from the biggest, you know, every athlete that was, you know, famous and in, in my eyes, you know, the NBA basketball team to, you know, horseback racing, um, horseback or equestrian, you know, every level of different sport there. And they all had this same united feeling. And I think that was just so powerful um, at when we were standing in the tunnel, just that sense of like intensity and then pride in your country and then pride in, in each other, I think, in the level that everyone was able to play and pride in those communities that we represented before we, you know, as we stepped out onto um, the stadium, as I announced United States of America, I'll never forget that feeling. And then in the Tokyo games, one of the things that really, I remember softball, softball actually opened the Olympic games in Tokyo and we played in Fukushima. Um, we were the first event that happened. So and then we played in Fukushima, which it was devastated by, you know, the earthquake and the nuclear transmitter that was all this sort of stuff that I don't need to go into detail in right now, but we opened the Olympic games. And I thought that was such a huge statement for our sport. And it made me so proud because I think everyone there knew like how big of a deal it was to open this huge event that, that go, you know, gets obviously broadcasted worldwide, you know, every sport that's famous in every different country, but to be the first one to actually play a game or compete on the Olympic stage, I think that sense of just pride and joy was really, really, really cool. You saw that in every player that was there. So, you know, not every Olympic game is played in the city. So I think, I think that's an interesting th fact about the Olympic games, you know, sports play in other parts of the country sometimes. So we played our first two games in Fukushima and I think the whole community of Northern Japan in that area, they really rallied for those games and also just those athletes, just being able to open the games, I think was a really cool experience. It's neat. And listening to you talk, I, I hear it's the bigger moments. You're talking about opening ceremonies. You're talking about the bigger, you know, we is greater than me, like not just even your team, but instead the Olympic family and the USA, because when you wear USA across your chest, that's the biggest honor you're representing your country. And it's such, it's such a big deal and a huge honor. Um, tell me a little bit about your book and the message. You have a new book, what it's called, where people can find it and the message that you really want people to walk away when they read it. Yeah. So I wrote a book, actually, I wrote Rise and Shine, the Monica Abbott story, um, basically my career, how I got started. It talks about that fifth grade state report on the state of Georgia. And it talks about some of the mental struggles and challenges I had in college. It talks about the success I had in, in the pros and different challenges with the pro league. It talks about Japan and obviously the Olympic games. And the one section that I'm actually really proud of in that book is I, at the very end, there's one chapter called it's about women's empowerment. And obviously I feel like it's been such a big theme in my career, you know, and also going, you know, I went in high school, you know, softball's not on TV and call it when I was in college, it started to get broadcasted a lot more. I went to Tennessee, you know, the lady Vols program 
um, just his, just strong, incredible women that had impacted my life. And then that continued drive to help represent and create more opportunities for softball players. But then of course I had that, I signed the million dollar contract with the scrapyard dogs and just how that was kind of a tipping point in some ways to many, many, many softball coaches and athletes to be able to know their worth and their value. Of course, it's still something we constantly are striving for to create more opportunities. But I, I just think, you know, we're, we as a softball community and we as female athletes, we're moving in the right direction. That's so great. I think that message will resound and impact a lot of lives. And I thank you for what you have done for our sport. And I know you'll continue to do through your scholarship and the tournaments you run and the appearances you make and the lives you change. Um, and, and I think your story is important, you know, to talk about how you fell into a game. There's a, a quote I heard that impacted me. Don't follow your passions, follow your opportunities, and you might find new passions along the way. And that sounds like <laughs> you stumbled into something and you became Monica Abbott, one of the best to ever play the game of softball. If there's one last thing you want to leave with the listeners inside of softball, outside of softball, what would it be? I would just say, you know, don't be afraid to try it. Like I, I say it all the time, but why not you? Why not? And go out there and then just fall, fall in love with the game and then just find a way to make those big, crazy, wild dreams come true. Thank you so much, Monica. And for everybody listening, why not you? Go find out what is that thing that you want to do, but maybe you've been scared or you've held back or you think I'd be too afraid to fail and stumble. You might do that, but that's okay. You also might succeed and be the one that is a game changer and a difference maker, and it could change the course of your life. So thank you everyone for listening to The Gold Standard, and we will see you here next time. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Gold Standard Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. You can post on social media and tag at Leah20USA or use hashtag Gold Standard Podcast. Make sure you also subscribe so you get notified each week as a new episode releases. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We appreciate your reviews as they help encourage others to listen in. Until next time, live out the gold standard and keep turning your goals into reality.